Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another edition of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership lessons therein. And we like to do that in the worlds of sports, of comedy, of music, of books, pastors, great testimonies. And we have a lot of that rolled up into one today with uh, our friend Jason Gray, who I have not seen, I think, if I'm right on this, since... May 13th, 2012, when we were blessed in Springfield to uh, have Jason and Aaron Schust and down here on arguably one of their last shows, I think, before they went and all did their separate thing. And Jason, I had the really great idea that we should do a show like that on Mother's Day, which (laughs) everything that seemed great about that was not great because a whole bunch of teenage kids did not bring their moms to the concert like I thought, but we had three or 400 people there and it was a fun show and great for us and uh, hopefully great for you. But uh, welcome a decade later to uh, the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. Yeah. It's been a while. We've, uh, we've made many attempts and uh, God's timing is perfect. And here we are today. Thanks for hanging in there with me. So Jason, let me ask you, I mean, one of the things I think about when I think of you is I know for some people, when they listen to podcasts, they're really wanting to grow. They're wanting to learn. For some people, it might be, I want to turn off the world and just chill. But I don't think that's possible with you because if there's anything I think about with you is don't check your brain in at the door because you, in any number of ways, bring about thoughts for me. I, every time I hear you speak, uh, I hear your lyrics to your songs, and I'm stuck for a while just thinking about what you're saying. How do you respond to that? That's very kind of you. Thank you. That that would be my hope. I, you know, I'm I'm I call myself a meaning junkie. I love meaning. I'm addicted to meaning. I get a rush out of out of insight, you know. And so, like, I'm 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 always I'm always uh, listening to a podcast or reading something or working out some problem in my mind, you know. And 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 uh, I I find a lot of uh, a lot of energy and enjoy there. You know, um, like I, uh, I always have a podcast going. The like, the only way I can relax um, is if I watch a TV show or a movie at the end of the day. Otherwise, my mind's always you know working and stuff. And um, when I uh, when COVID you know began to happen, you know, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna get this at some point. So I just. I, accept that and when it happens i'll um i'll camp out on the couch and and catch up on some movies and podcasts and i don't know if you've had it or what your experience was with it but when i had it i've never been more exhausted in my Mm -hmm. life so exhausted and i ended up for about three days just laying on the floor on a mattress on the floor and i couldn't even play a podcast because it was too stimulating And I just laid on my back for three days and I didn't do anything. I just stared at the ceiling and I didn't think I was capable of that. And so um, it, 
it helped me to see that I could be capable of resting my mind and turning it off, you know, but it was a, a pretty extreme uh, circumstance that got me there. So all that to say, that's a real compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> Have you moved that experience with COVID forward and allowed yourself more room or freedom to not be on or thinking or trying to learn or grow and just simply quiet, rest, whatever that looks like? Yeah, I mean, I would say I haven't. And, you know, I, I, I accept my active mind and my curiosity as uh, a way that I've been designed, you know, and, and, and so um, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. Like I haven't been, been convicted that, you know, like in a way of, 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 Oh, you have to quiet that. Now, you know, my, my active mind is, is, is actually kind of a, a form of prayer. I feel like I'm always in conversation with the Holy Spirit, like that's how it, it kind of plays mm -hmm. out. You know, there is the endless chatter of human thought that can get in the way of other things, you know, but, but um, mine is mostly like just an ongoing conversation with the Lord. And, and I think that's because um, when I was like 18 or 19 years old, I read this book called, um, the Practice of the Presence of God oh, yeah. by Brother Lawrence. Have you read that book? You know, uh, it's been a long time, but I was just sitting here thinking yeah. between uh, Brothers Lawrence and Mother Teresa, you seem to me to probably be about as much as anybody I would guess who has that type of relationship with the Lord. Oh yeah, like, like just like you know, and 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 the idea of the book was it was a monk who was writing to another monk or whoever I can't remember who. But it was all about how how uh, in everything that he did, like if he was washing the dishes, you know, that he was spending that time in conversation with the Lord. And I thought, well, that's cool, you know. And 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 so I think that put me on that trajectory uh, when I was eighteen years old. Yeah, it was funny because, like I said, I I, I saw you go in that direction and feel yeah. like that's very true. Has that? going back to COVID and you kind of just laying on the floor for a few days and not be yeah. able to do anything because you are so set to learn to grow. Does it, does it ever have major detriment to you? I mean, do you, do you ever feel like sleepless nights cause you can't shut it down or oh. do you have relationships where people are like, Jason, you just got to stop. That for sure. You know, like I, I think sometimes it makes me not an easy hang, you know, mm. cause like because I'm a meaning chunky, like I always wanted to talk about, you know, like, like philosophy or you know, like whatever. And, 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 uh, I have had to learn how to, how to calm that down a little bit so that I can, I, I can be a better hang, you know, and not so intense all the time. So, yeah. but, uh, do I, does my active mind keep me up a lot at night? No, no. Uh, but it is, I mean, like the way that I, I know how to, how to turn it off is uh engaging with a story of some sort if that's a movie or a tv show or a or a book but even then i seek out things that are 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 meaningful you know mm -hmm. <laughs> so you probably have to you've probably had to work on developing like a, a a rhythm to prepare you to go to bed at night like you probably just can't i want to go to bed without any thought to it you probably have to do some things to allow you to have some downtime or drink the right thing or, or watch the right thing or do something strategically, because I would imagine otherwise you're just going and sleep's not going to happen. 
I'll keep writing, you know, like, like I'm always working on a song, working on a couple of books right now. And so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a discipline for me to put all that aside and sit down and, and, you know, I like to cook and that is engaging my mind in a different way. Yeah. You know, I, I, I usually have a podcast in the background while I cook too, but, but it is a, a discipline to, watch a movie or watch a TV show. And that helps kind of get me ready to go to sleep. So, so you've alluded to podcasts multiple times. So what's your second, third and fourth favorite podcast? Oh, wow. Um, notice the question, Jason, notice the question was, what is your second, third and fourth favorite podcast? Well, the Pinkleton um, podcast for sure. You know, absolutely. That's that's it. That's all I listen to. Um, that well, no, I listen to a few others. Uh, <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell's mm, yeah. uh, revisionist history. What's that? Uh, he's British, and he usually has two people with opposing viewpoints on there talking. Mm. Um, unbelievable. Okay, that podcast that sounds uh, good. And, like, and it's it's usually like th- th- theological and and he'll have an atheist and a believer or, or, uh, you know, uh, someone who doesn't believe in hell, someone who does, you know, and those are great. But the main one that I listen to religiously is the Jordan Peterson podcast. <laughs> let's, and let's unpack that. You, I, like I said, we were talking and you kind of wanted to pause on that while I asked you a question before we got on here about Jordan Peterson. Cause I know you really think highly of him and his writing and some of his thought and talk, talk more about that because I think you, you do a good job to me of, we tend to, as followers of Jesus, separate, this is what's a Christian thing, sacred, holy, this is yeah. secular, this is the world. And I just, right. I think there's way more blended there, big time. Yeah. I, th- I think you do too. I do too. I think that God, uh, you know, he he, uh, he uses whatever he wants to, right? You know, I remember um, the first time I saw Rich Mullins, and he said that his, one of his theology professors uh, said, it can truly be said of Balaam that God spoke to him through his ass. <laughs> and then he said, uh, so if you should happen to find God speaking through you at some point, you needn't think too highly of yourself, mm, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Um, but, but, you know, my, my, my experience of God is that he's no respecter of, of persons or things. And, 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 and he'll, he'll speak through whatever, I remember when I was a young believer and I was, I was really, I was really into Paul Simon and, um, and, and actually my first experience of hearing God speak to me was through a, uh, a, I'm an Carfunkel song, Bridge Over Troubled Water. I was five years old and I should also explain to, uh, (laughs) I was going to go there. Yeah. to, To people who are, who are hearing this, if you've never heard me before, I do have a speech handicap. Um, so it's not because Jeff is making me nervous, although he is very intimidating. He is very intimidating. But um, please. So, so, uh, so anyway, the first time that I experienced God speaking to me was when I was five years old. And it was when I heard Bridge Over Troubled Water come on the radio. And my life was in a lot of chaos at that time. And I, I wasn't, in the church, nobody was talking to me about God, but I had this experience of this benevolent presence in the car with me. 
saying, Psst, hey, I want you to know that this song, these words that you like, this is my heart toward you. You know, mm. years later, I would have the language to say that I believe God spoke to me, you know. But at that time, it was just this kind of overwhelming sense of a, a, a peaceful, benevolent presence wrapping itself around me. Anyway, so because of that, I think I've always experienced Paul Simon's music as a, a mouthpiece for God, you know. But I remember when I was like 18 years old, I think, somebody challenged that and uh, and told me, you can't get clean water from a dirty well. Mm. And I remember that really meant something to me. Then I thought, oh, yeah, that makes sense, you know. And so I I, I, I threw away all my secular albums. And, and I just think that's a mistake. That's not... That's not how I experience God working, you know. I I I, th- I think he, he he uses dirty wells. He uses rap scallions. He uses tools like like you and me. <laughs> Thank you, know? you. I wanted you to volunteer me in that equation. Uh, he, you know, um, it's like this too. Like uh, I don't know about you, but but uh, I believe like my. My theology is uh, remarkably different today than it was 20 years ago or 15 years ago or 10 years ago. And God still called me in the ministry back then and gave me a platform 20 years ago and allowed me to speak all kinds of things that I understand differently now. You know, so like, he, I don't know. I think he's less concerned about accuracy. Mm. And more concerned about availability and, and trajectory, and maybe most of all, honesty, you know. And so, uh, you know, I discovered Jordan Peterson when a very liberal f- friend of mine recommended him to me. And then that same week, a very conservative friend recommended him to me. Oh. I thought, oh, well, that's interesting, you know. And I started to tune in, and and, and I, I uh, his work has really meant a lot to me. You know, I, like I I I think I don't think he's infallible, but uh but I really respect his uh his way of thinking, his emphasis on taking responsibility, the way he demystifies things too. He did a I don't know if you've heard this, but he did a a lecture s- series called the the psychological truths of the Old Testament stories. Mm. What sounds more boring than a series <laughs> of two-hour lectures of the psychological truths of the Old Testament stories? And I just found them riveting. I think there's eight or nine of them. And, um, you know, he's he's f- for sure not evangelical. Um, if you ask him if he believes in God, he says, well, hold on a second, you know. I don't like that question, he says, because I think we'd have to have hours of conversation before we could understand what you and I both mean when we say the words believe and say the word God. So that's first of all. Second of all, I don't know if it's any of your damn business, he says. And th- and thirdly, um, I don't know, but I live like I do. Wow. That's very significant like like if you listen to all of his his work elsewhere 
he talks about, you know, if you really want to know what a person believes, don't hone in on their words. Look at how they act, you know? And so I think that's his, his, his humble, uh, backdoor acknowledgement of, 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 uh, you know, that he has belief in him for sure. He has a reverence for scripture well, you know, I'm reminded as you talked and you talked about a liberal friend give, want you to read that book and their conservative friend want you to read that book. I'm reminded by, and I don't know if you know him, you probably do because you guys both probably have hit some similar circles in Nashville, but Scott Saul's the pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church. He used to work with Keller. He's written a number of books. And, right. and Scott Saul says, if you're too conservative for your liberal friends and you're too liberal for your conservative friends, you're probably right where Jesus would have you be. And <laughs> there's something about that I really like. Oh yeah, I heard I heard a great quote a few weeks ago. Uh, whatever side of an issue that you find yourself on, Jesus is on the other side. Mm. Now you know wow. you could argue with that, but I think in principle that is saying something very important. And you know, like my my belief right now, what seems clear to me right now is that our you know our 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 our, uh, our number one sin is self-righteousness mm-hmm. but that's kind of what is underneath all other sins and that statement that idea is a statement about how you know Jesus is is opposed to the ways that we want to imagine that we're right you know um and 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 that's uh I think that's good Ironically, uh, I think religion is uh, very often a petri dish where 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 where, where self righteousness thrives, mm. you know, and uh, it finds a good hiding place in our religion, you know, and uh, so we gotta we gotta be suspicious of that, you know. Would- we have to cultivate a suspicion of our own, you know, and, and ask, what am I up to? What am I getting out of my, my conception of the world where I've found the truth and I get to evangelize other people? Yeah. I get a lot out of that. My ego gets a lot oh, out of that. Oh, you're hundred percent right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, lot of, know, that, a lot of things about following Jesus, if we're honest about it, really fight yeah. humility. Oh Yeah. Yeah, very much. So they're, they're, I I heard this other other quote that uh, by Richard Rohr, who uh, some would would believe is a heretic and stuff, but but um, he says um, religion can often be the ideal inoculation against authentic God experience. Mm. <laughs> and uh, man, I I. I once you see it, you can't unsee it, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I've told people before, one of the songs, because I love music, one of the songs over the years that has most ministered to me, and I don't yeah. know where these guys stood with the Lord. I, my hunch is they didn't know the Lord or don't know the Lord, but the Eagles, Desperado. I'm like, oh, the, yeah? the song yeah, Desperado come. speaks to me big time. Come down from your fences, oh, renegade. Mm-hmm. It may be raining, but there's a uh, rainbow above you. I mean, just there's things there that that speak to me yeah. spiritually in a very deep way. Yeah. Let, let's go towards, and I want to come back to one of your songs in a minute, but let's go towards, we talked before we got on here. May I, inter- 
please start with a like I I just love that example of how the Holy Spirit will use whatever is available mm-hmm. to speak the thing that we need to hear, you know. And and, and do you know who who um, Leonard Cohen is? Yeah, I know, yeah, that? a little bit, not much. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yep. That was in, in Sh- 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 Shrek, and you know, yeah, that song's huge. Um, he he wrote a song called uh, the the Sisters of Mercy. And uh, I remember playing it one time, and this lyric just jumped out at me, and 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 the Holy Spirit like like grabbed me by my sh- shirt collar. Listen to this, you know. And the lyric is, um, "Yes, you who must leave everything that you cannot control. It begins with your family, and soon it comes round to your soul." And the Holy Spirit really, you know, that was what was available to the Holy Spirit at that moment mm. to tell me, hey, you know, loosen up your your grip on your kids. Wow. You know, um, you you have to let them be who they're going to be. You can't control what they believe. You can't control who they are, what they become. You just you have to you have to leave all that. Let that go. And you just have to love them, you know. And that was when they were like, like twelve or thirteen, and that really prompted the beginning of the experience of me surrendering my kids and holding them with an open hand before the Lord, you know. And then, interestingly, that lyric came back around years later. I went through a season where, where, where I lost my faith, and I lost it when I didn't want it to go away, and then it came back at a time when I wasn't looking for it to come back right so the experience i had of it was like oh man this thing almost feels like it has a mind of its own and maybe i've been i've been arrogant to imagine that my faith was this thing that i alone curated and mm. and, and and had all the authority over it you know so it gave me a, a humility in regards to, to, to my faith but that reminded me it's like oh it's like that line said it's like it came to it came to fulfillment here you who must leave everything that you cannot control it begins with your family and soon it comes around to your soul you know Mm. and uh uh i would say that uh no other song has brought conviction and change to me like that leonard cohen song you know so well see it's just so crazy i think we like we live in this world where we think things have to look a certain way or go through a certain filter. I was listening to a podcast, I think it was yesterday, and this guy who would be known uh, to most people, I think, who's a platform person as a follower of Jesus, and he was talking about a Justin Bieber song called Lonely that I haven't heard of, but I want to listen to it. And he just talked about how much that song has meant to him and how he can identify with the, the message behind that song, Lonely, by Justin Bieber. And of course, as soon as you say the name Bieber, everybody has an opinion about where he is supposedly with the Lord. But yeah. um, which, which which isn't anybody's business too, right? Yeah. Isn't that weird? You know, like uh, Christian c- culture has, has kind of developed a habit of trying to discern, you know, where whether whether people are in or whether they're out, you know. And scripture says salvation belongs to the Lord. <laughs> you know, it's just it's none of it's none of our business, you know. Um and there's 
And there's an arrogance in that too, right? You know, that that we imagine that we can discern uh, where somebody's at in their heart, you know. Man, half the time, I don't know where I'm at in my own heart, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a true statement right there. I relate to that. You know, I love that John, I think it's John Maxwell gets credit for the quote. And I love this quote. He says, the arrogant person thinks they can't learn anything from anybody. The teachable yeah. person realizes they can learn something from everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And why not, that's... like, why not look at anybody? Like, I was encouraged, well, before we got on air, you were talking to Jedi, who's helping put this together. And you were attentive to her. You were like, you you encouraged her about a book, you know, that, that she might want to read that might help her with kind of this thought process of where she is. And you took an interest in her and made a deposit that might make a huge oh. difference in her life. And, wow. you know, how many people just don't do that? They become, you know, for, I'll say my old Tennessee language from when I was a kid. You know, my mom used to say that you're too big for your britches. And, yeah. you know, I just think, you know, there's a lot for all of us to learn. And, uh, you know, I like where you are with that, J Jason, that we can, you know, learn from this person, learn from that person, what's sacred, what's not sacred. Uh, you know, Albert Einstein has the famous quote about uh, we can either treat life like everything's a miracle or like nothing's a miracle. Well, that's right. a no-brainer. I think I want to treat life then like everything's a miracle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of Jordan Peterson, uh, there's a quote of his that I love. He said, uh, you can either love what you know or you can love what you don't know. And there's a lot more that you don't know, so be careful what you fall in love with. you know. And uh, self-righteousness is, is being in love with what we, what, what we already know. Interestingly, um, to me, um, well, well, okay. Also, I'll, I'll, I'll complete that before I move on. Uh, being in love with what I don't know means that I value being wrong. That mm. it's better to be wrong than being right. Because when I'm wrong, it means I get to learn something new, yeah. right? But um, one of the things that I'm curious about is. Uh, um, Christianity's culture of affirming creeds. I see a value in it, but but have we ever wondered about how problematic that might be? Because when I affirm the creeds, when I, you know, I believe this, I believe that, am I, it's putting a lot of emphasis on on what I already know, right? And is that something I should be concerned about? You know, well, you started out early in this conversation talking about your theology and where you are spiritually worldview being right. different now than 20 years right. ago. If we were playing family feud and asked a hundred people how they feel about that statement, I'd hate to guess that the majority of people say, uh Oh, something's wrong with Jason. He's not true to what he knew 20 years ago versus like you've grown, uh, you've experienced life. You've lived something. Uh, yeah. we all should be growing. Um, yeah. you'll appreciate this. One of our staff members at our church, she used to help lead worship a lot. She's now doing more teaching and whatnot that way. But she said years ago when she did, I think she was doing, um, Twyla Paris, how beautiful on that yeah. Sunday. But she said, before she got up there, she said, you know, I'm in love with a different Jesus today than I knew last year. And yeah. every year I feel like I'm in love with a new and different Jesus. She goes, he hasn't changed, but I yeah. have. So I'm seeing Jesus yeah. in a new and different way. And I think making that personal to us, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, and I don't remember who gets credit with this quote, but somebody made a comment about how do you heal and fix things in people that are broken? And the response was brokenness. 
right now, 2023, how do you embrace brokenness? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, I just read this book uh, by Ronald Rollheiser called The Holy Longing. Mm-hmm. And one of the ideas that I found so beautiful, I think it's pertinent here, is uh, he's talking about what the power of Pentecost means. And I'm going to mangle this because I've only read through this once and I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to to talk about it. So, but I'll do my best. The basic idea as, as I remember how he spoke about it is that it's related to acceptance like this. Like if I wake up uh, on my, on my 70th birthday and I do not want to be 70 years old. Mm-hmm. And I spend all my energy trying to, you know, be more youthful and 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 more like a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old. And I, I resent being 70. Mm. Uh, if I have not accepted the fact that I am where I am, then I cannot receive the power of Pentecost to be a 70 year old. Wow. If I'm unsatisfied with, with where, where my career is at or the kind of songs I write and, and, and I'm just rejecting those aspects of me, I can't be, you know, receive the power from on high to be who I am in those, in those fields, in those dimensions. Right. So how do I be broken? I think it begins with, accepting that you know i've i've got some battle scars and Mm. and 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 there's and 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 then that uh makes me able to receive the power to be a broken person who is who is healing you know does that make sense yeah no i mean i I, that's a word i mean you know it's funny i think most people hear the word broken you know, for yeah. me, my first place I drift to based on my age is the vase that Peter Brady broke on the Brady Bunch. Um, yeah. Or I think about, you know, whatever that someone's broken in their lifetime or whatever. The older I get, I'm 53 now, I'm really embracing being broken. That yeah. word is a word I actually gravitate towards now. Like, yeah. I'm broken. I need to put back together. Yeah. I'm Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. You know, uh, another example of it from the idea of the power Pentecost is like very, very early on um, as a young man, as I began to be aware of what I believed was a calling on my life, I thought my speech impediment was going to be a problem. And so I rejected it. And I thought, I just need to be healed of this. And for a long, you know, for a number of years, I was fixated on the problem of my speech impediment. And, um, the moment that 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 changed and i began to understand that god was going to heal that you know okay so very early on i thought oh i i see how this is going to work god is going to heal me of my speech impediment and that'll be my testimony and i can go out there and say when you when you trust god when you step out in faith even though it looks crazy god will meet you there and heal you. And when that wasn't happening, I was very confused and disappointed and disillusioned and angry at God because I felt like I'm stepping out and you're not meeting me here. 
and I'm doing everything I know to do. And it's not a good look for you either, you know, because like I'm throwing myself out there. What do you want from me? You know, and 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 the people in my religious community at that time, you know, you know the the messages I was absorbing was that if it wasn't happening, it's because you weren't believing hard enough mm-hmm. or you had sin in your life, Ouch. you know. So I was on this shame try harder treadmill <laughs> and uh was playing at uh, a local local coffee shop years ago and once again stepped out in faith hoping all right i'm gonna do it and hopefully god will meet me and i stuttered horribly and i got through the night and was just humiliated and just wanted to go hide but there wasn't a green room because it was just a little coffee shop with a stage and then the coffee shop right so mm-hmm. i got done and i step off stage i'm packing up my guitar i just can't wait to get out of there when i notice there's a line of people behind me wanting to speak with me and I turn around and I start talking with them. And I, I, I remember my my face felt hot because I was so embarrassed, you know. But then one after the other, I just began to hear variations of the same story. Jason, uh, thank you for doing what you did this evening because it reminds me that I'm not uh, defined by my limitations either, you know. And, um, you know, and the guy who was at the back of the line uh, his name was Dennis. I remember all these years later. And he said, uh, thank you for what you did this evening. I believe the Lord's calling me to something too. And mm. I've been arguing with him about why I don't think I'm the right person for the job. And you're kind of a disaster. If you can do your things, <laughs> like, I can do mine. You know, Oh, you're, you're welcome, Dennis. You thank know? you for calling me a disaster. Yeah. And, uh, I remember going home that night and, thinking, oh, you know what? I think I got it wrong. I don't I don't think that your plan has been to heal me of my speech impediment, but maybe to heal others through it. Because what I noticed that night is what spoke to people wasn't the words I said. It wasn't the songs I sang. It was just this fact that I was broken and I was up there. That's what ministered, you know? And once I accepted that, it really all of a sudden I received the power to be a, a, a wounded healer, to be a broken vessel of God's grace, you know? And um, another example is um, I'm an insecure people pleaser. And, and that makes me a great performer, right? Cause it tunes me into the room because I want people to like me and I can feel it when I'm losing them, you know, if I've offended them or alienated them. And so then I can adjust. I can switch up the songs. I can throw in a joke and it pulls them back in. And if I were more whole, I'd be like, I don't care what these people yeah. think. I'm going to say whatever I want. But my insecure people pleasing actually makes me better at my job, you know. And so anyway, once we accept these things, that's when all of a sudden they become available to us. And and we discover them as our our superpower, right? My uh, first mentor years and years ago, he said, I don't trust anybody who hasn't been broken. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that. that too. Uh, is that someone people would know? I feel like I heard that quote given to somebody. Maybe he was quoting them. Well, because there, I think, is it Chip died down in Nashville? He's a counselor or something. Somebody like that. I've heard you, somebody used that that type of line, but of course we all still each other's stuff. a lot. Yeah. Maybe you heard me say it. Well, hey, Jason, if nobody knows, just claim it. It's yours. I know, right. I should. I should. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. I mean, you you were, I've told you before, you were so crazy honest in the podcast you did with Brian Stevenson, and you were very freed up to talk about being divorced. 
Do you oh, yeah. keep what you just said in a similar light now, years removed from that, with being divorced where you've seen God use that and and give you opportunity to speak? Like I can think of a friend of mine right now going through a really tough thing that may lead to yeah. divorce, and my heart breaks for him. And I'm kind of thinking about, you know, kind of where you are. Maybe that's ways God has used a tough thing you went through to minister to others. Yeah, you know, I don't want to be too glib about it because you know when i was in the midst of it i wouldn't if you had told me that yeah you know you just need to accept that your wife is leaving and uh and you won't get to put your kids to bed every night like you used to you just need to accept that you know i i I wouldn't have had (laughs) i wouldn't have known how to do that you know but it's not that acceptance makes everything okay but the slow acceptance of the reality of what was happening to me while i fought against it was was what was what helped me begin to heal and receive the power i needed to be a divorced person you know um but that was that was a process a bumpy a yeah. bumpy road Well, and and I don't need to get more into that. I I would highly encourage people if they want to hear a much fuller version, and it's a couple years old now, but your, your podcast with Ryan Stevenson on weathering the storm was unbelievable. You guys spent a lot of time on that. I really appreciated having that much more of an insight into you in your heart. And I I want to transition to this because I've got to fit this in and I'm not going to sing this because it would be terrible for everybody to hear this, especially you. But when I read these lines, when I lose my way and I forget my name, remind me who I am. In the mirror, all I see is who I don't want to be. Remind me who I am. In the loneliest places, when I can't remember what grace is, tell me once again who I am to you, who I am to you. I'm going to guess I can speak for a whole lot of people that if you never did anything else and all I knew was Jason Gray did that song and recorded it, and it's ministered to me numerous times, countless ways. Your life, at least for me, was well invested in me. Talk to me about that song. And I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell you that, about that song. Yeah, yeah, that song has really found a good home in the hearts of a lot of people. I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. I write the songs... I need to hear a lot of the time, you know, and, 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 uh, the songs know what's going on in you before you do a lot of the time, you know, so, so very often I will write a song and then I'll catch up to it several years later, you know, um, how recently has that song ministered to you? You know what it did just now as you were reading it to me, actually. Yeah. Can you, can you elaborate uh, on that? Well, yeah, I, I, I sing it every night, and and so you can begin to be immune to its effects just because you're just used to it, you know. Um, but hearing you read those back to me, yeah, you know, uh, we are, you know, more than what's happened to us. We're more than our, our mistakes. We're more than the wounds we've received or the wounds we've given, you know, and, and, and uh, there's a great, 
uh, entry in uh, Oswald Chamber uh, Ch Chambers, my utmost for his highest, and and it's it's about the despair of the disciples when uh, when they were supposed to be attending to the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they fell asleep, and uh, the message that we need to hear is that yeah you know these things happen and there isn't anything you can do about it they couldn't go back and change that they you know uh failed in their one job you know um but now stand up and do the next thing mm. right and and um i've been thinking a lot about uh this uh the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow as paul talks about and i think about uh judas and peter they both betrayed jesus right and uh one of them had worldly sorrow that led to death judas took his life and peter was renewed and became you know a pillar of the church his life went on to new into newness right what's the difference i can't help but wonder like if it's a if it's an ego thing right if uh if if my ego can't handle knowing the truth about my brokenness then i will fixate on on everything i've done wrong and i'll do everything i can to make it right mm and to repair that broken image of myself for myself, right? Um, and that appears to be what happened with Judas in my mind, right? Because he, he, he all of a sudden has remorse over what he's done. So he goes and he returns the money. He try, But when he sees that he can't undo what he did, he loses all hope and he hangs himself. Whereas Peter, uh, it was, it was just like, he's, He's not trying to undo anything, and he sees the Lord on the shore, and he just can't help himself. He jumps out of the boat that he's in, and he swims. He races to get to the Lord, and uh, and when the Lord asks him three times for each of the times that he denied Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 like he's he's again he's accepting that he blew it. And he's receiving the Lord Jesus's offer uh, to to um, to be renewed, to have um, a new starting point with all of that, you know. And just as I read it, it doesn't look like Peter's trying to preserve his ego, like Judas was. And uh, in the mirror, all I see is the mm -hmm. man I don't want to be. Remind me who I am, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's asking the Lord to define me rather than me trying to define myself, I guess. It's everybody's biggest issue is understanding their identity in Christ and knowing who they are and what God's given them. You know what? Can I, can I play God for a minute? Can you willingly, blindly, blank sheet of paper, blank check, agree to obey something that I'm going to ask you to do? Uh, okay. You are going out on tour April 27th for, I think, about 10 days with Kate Thompson, who I'm not familiar with, but I've gotten quite acquainted with Mike Donahue. Yeah. 
Can you and Mike Donahue write a song together? You know what? We did two shows this weekend and and we hang out a lot, you know, and I was like, man, we need to write a song together. And how have you not? How have you not? You two. 10th Avenue, you know, whatever people think of 10th Avenue North, you know, there's probably for people who want them to be edgier, they're a little poppy, obviously, or whatever. But I took Mike's been on here. He's actually coming my way for, to do something for me in either September or October. We haven't nailed it down yet. But I told Mike, you know, like control, um, control particularly, um, uh, you are more. But there's a yeah. number of songs of theirs, and I'm just like, man, you pick my heart apart like oh, nobody's yeah. business. And the two of you together, what you could write. Man. Well, I think the reason why we haven't is because when we hang out, we mostly just talk with each other. Well, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, this week we were like, man, we need to make we need to make that happen. I, I I have great respect for him, and I think that we have a very similar sense of purpose. You know. Well, can you just tell him you already on the podcast committed to it that you would do it, okay. and you owe it to me to make that happen. I will. I will for sure. If it does nothing for anybody else, that song or songs or album or whatever will mean a ton to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope so. That would be the hope. I, I, I do believe he is, uh, he really desires to tell the truth, to Mm -hmm. be truthful. And, and, and that's, that's a a rarer thing than you would imagine in our, in our industry, you know? So, sure. Yeah. Well, hey, we're going to close. I'd love to talk a lot longer, but you have other stuff to get onto, and you've been on the road. So, Jason, where can people find out more about what's going on with you? You know, uh, jasongraymusic.com, if people use internet websites anymore. Otherwise, I'm on uh, Instagram at jasongraymusic. I got the little blue dot, so look for that guy. Same on, on Facebook, you know. Or you can find me right here on the Pickleton There are too many P's in the name of your podcast. (laughs) I almost wanted to make a joke about that earlier or what you could call your podcast because it'd have to have some stuttering stuff in it. But I love how you embrace that. Jason, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. My wife, I'm going to rat her out, doesn't listen to my podcast. I'm going to tell her she's crazy if she ain't listening to this one. Oh, man. Well, that that means a lot. Thank you. So thank you for investing uh, me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for waiting on me for a time that would work for this and and grateful for your patience with me and grateful for who you are and the kinds of uh, conversations that you want to make space for and Mm. your authenticity. And and, and so thank you for making me a part of your ministry. Very, very grateful for that and would, would love to do it again. I feel like we just barely scratched the surface. So well, that's true. And we didn't stick to that script at all. And I'm going to tell oh, no. people, hard about anything. <laughs> yeah, if anybody gives me grief about anything in life coming up, I'm going to say, well, go, go talk to Jason Gray, forget Matt Marsh song about defender. Uh, <laughs> not your love defends me, but Jason Gray will defend me based on what you just said there. So I take that with a uh, major, hopefully massive humility and, and grace to receive that from you, Jason. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.